The rest of the players here are from the World Warriors, and while the World Warriors are a big mix between players that we know and we don't know, uh, clearly if you, I mean, it was a five-week grind for most of the players, building points. Uh, so again, do not discount these World Warrior players. They're all going to be very, very strong and very scary to deal with. So we're going to start here with Asia and uh, talk about Despair King. And again, not a player that I know much about. He is from China. Uh, he is from Shanghai. Uh, and uh, he got first place in the World Warrior for China. As you can see, he's a jury player, which is interesting. A jury, uh, a character that, you know, kind of like the opposite of Cammy. I felt like the longer the game went on, the more people starting to kind of like not believe in jury. But jury has one of the higher representatives, representation in Capcom Cup, which is uh, very, very interesting. Uh, so Despair King with the jury from Asia. Oh, what's up, AJ? How's it going? Uh, for uh, uh, here at winning World Warrior China with the jury representation. So again, China showed out last year, right? We actually had, um, what do you call it? Uh, you know, Zen come out and really show people up. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Despair King. Uh, again, if he was able to win World Warrior China, that's really, really impressive. So uh, speaking of jury players, uh, Uma327 from Asia East, uh, a Taiwan player. I got to know him really, really well thanks to ICFC Asia. And I got to tell you, he is one of my absolute favorite jury players. In fact, he might be my favorite jury player. Uh, apologies to guys like Nephew and such. But I, his jury is so sick. And he was killing it in ICFC Asia until uh, F-Champ started showing up and taking a lot of those events out there. But Uma, uh, I, I am going to have a, uh, a soft spot for him because I'm going to be rooting for him because I feel like he just he's such a strong player. He does things with jury that I don't see a lot of other players do. Makes a lot of great decisions. I'm really excited to see uh, how he does. And thanks to the ICFC Angels, become literally one of my favorite players. Uh, I just enjoy watching him so much. And I can't wait to see what kind of stuff he does with jury uh, at Capcom Cup. Again, representing Taiwan. So I'm actually going to be uh, really, really... It's going to be really fun to watch him play because, again, you know, Jury, although, like I said, people have kind of been, you know, she's been kind of dropping on the esteem charts. There's a lot of people out there who still very much believe in Jury, mostly people who hate fighting her, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> but she is clearly still a very strong character. And I think uh, Uma has one of the strongest chances, uh, along with Nephew, who we'll talk about later on, to really show what this character can do. Uh, next, obviously, this is a little bit of a controversial situation. This is a tough situation, and I've definitely talked to uh, Sianik about this. Uh, but see, Anik actually qualified from the World Warrior Asia South, uh, but was struggling to get his visa to make it out here, was trying to work with Capcom. Uh, you can see his whole story that he talked about online. Then uh, he accidentally made a, a really bad mistake online that was not intentional. That was not intentional. 
but unfortunately might have killed his chances for actually making it out to Capcom Cup. So instead, uh, when the Visa situation started looking bleak, uh, they decided to go with the second place finisher from World Warrior Asia South, uh, which is uh, Shadoken. So Shadowken or Shadowken, I'm not sure which way it's pronounced. One of uh, actually, if he's in there now, we may have four JPs represented. Uh, uh, see, Anik was trying to tell his story for us and accidentally uh, screenshotted and published some private information, uh, which was just that's just oh that was unfortunate. So. Again, not what he wanted to do, not wasn't his intention to dox people and stuff, but uh, he was just in such a desperate situation that that mistake just occurred. And again, for anybody who's been in like that kind of desperate situation, because if I'm not mistaken, Sianik is from India and to have a representative from India at Capcom Cup would be, no, he's from Bangladesh. He's from Bangladesh, my bad. He's from Bangladesh, and to be able to have a Bangladesh player represent at Capcom Cup would have been amazing. And he really, really wanted to get there. And so when he was feeling like, okay, so Capcom's going to take the second, I need to do this. And a lot of stress and frustration and panic came about. You know, the mistake was not intentional. He was not trying to dox anybody, but... Um, <laughs> Oh, see, I, oh, so Shadowkin is from India. Got it. Thanks, John the Automaton. Actually, I have that information here. I don't know why I got that wrong. Yeah, there you go. He is from India. I literally have this sitting in front of me uh, where he's from. He is from India, yes. And uh, uh, Sianik was from, uh, is from Bangladesh. But unfortunately, uh, it seems like the chances for Sianik making it out here are going to be uh, a little bit tougher now. So... Uh, Shadow Ken is going to be the one representing with that JP. Let me see if that actually does make the, a four JP representation here. We've got DCQ, we have Dookie, we have Shadow Ken, and yeah, we have our. So yes, now we have four. We have four uh, JPs represented uh, because Shadow Ken took over C Anik's spot. But again, I just want to make sure to give a chance to shout out C Anik who did qualify from Bangladesh. I mean, it really sucks that he's not going to be able to make it out here to represent Bangladesh. And I hope he hasn't permanently ruined his chances with that mistake that uh, he had. Uh, I hope we get to see him more in the future. So, uh, but again, Shadow Ken, I mean, again, second place at World Warrior, not a slouch, obviously. Uh, clearly very, very uh, a strong player too. And, you know, has the chance to really do some damage with that JP. Again, JP, such a strong character. And again, having a player representing India is super cool. So uh, going to definitely be rooting for Shadow Ken to do well. Of course, it's going to be uh, kind of scary, kind of stressful. Of course, like I said, it's scary to be here uh, for the first time at your first Capcom Cup. You know, being flown out to a foreign country like this and, you know, having all these eyes watching you. Same goes for all the players at the first Capcom Cups. But uh, I really hope he does well. Uh, then, also, from Singapore, just some dude named Sien. <laughs> you may have heard of him. You know, former EVO winner. <laughs> uh, and clearly one of the uh, strongest players out there. And really just one of the biggest lab tech monsters 
on the scene. Obviously part of Team Versus Vortex. We saw him at SFL, but he also puts out a lot of wonderful content with Mike Ross on on Twitter and such. But Sien, he's just such a strong player. And, you know, although Sien, you know, uh, during Street Fighter 4 and early Street Fighter 5, he was clearly one of the favorites to win a lot of tournaments here. Uh, you know, maybe some people are thinking, oh, he's not as strong as he used to be. I think that would be a mistake because, like I said, the tech that he comes up with and he's got DJ. We talked about DJ earlier with Namikaze. This character is a problem, and honestly, Sien is one of the strongest DJs we have out there, and you cannot, cannot underestimate him. Again, another one of my personal favorite players, uh, love this guy, and I think he's a big threat to go far. I, I just have this funny feeling DJ's going to show up at this tournament. Why do I feel that way? I don't know. Maybe because players like Sien and Fudo are using DJ. But I just have this funny feeling DJ is going to show up big at Capcom Cup. Going to break a lot of hearts uh, and spoil a lot of dreams at Capcom Cup. And... Uh, under, uh, uh, you know, at the hands of Cien, yeah, you gotta have to be very, 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 very careful. You have to be very, very careful when you go up against him. Uh, Juninho Raz from Brazil, one of the other uh, players here. Now, Juninho Raz, uh, he was at Capcom Cup last year, uh, so this will be the second time he's actually made it here. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Juninho Raz, was he the, uh, was he the Ryu player who fought against, um, Ending Walker's Ed last year? Uh, someone can confirm with me. Um, let's see, Juninho Raz, Ending Walker. Uh, yep, that was the one, that was the one. Uh, this one was a very, whoops, hang on a second. This was a very, very, um, I'm really happy to see him back here. I, I, I'm really happy to see him back here because, uh, if you remember against Ending Walker, he, in the group phase, he was basically one combo away from putting Ending Walker in his first loss in the pools area and, you know, showcasing what he's capable of. He dropped a combo, and uh, Ending Walker ended up taking that match. And I was commentating that match, and I could see in his eyes, I could see the body language as he walked off the stage. There was this kind of slumped, like, I just need to get out of here as fast as possible. I feel awful. I can't believe I, I missed this opportunity to really kind of, you know, put a stamp on this tournament by giving Ending Walker his first loss. And I remember as I was commentating that as he was walking off and I saw that, uh, you know, from the commentary area, you know, I was just like, you know, I don't know if you're going to hear this, Juninho Raz, but don't feel bad about that dropped combo. I was like, you know, that's just something you'll learn. This was your first Capcom Cup. And uh, you'll drop this combo now, but that just means you won't drop the combos in the future. And you made it here before, you could make it here again. And here he is, back in Capcom Cup. And you know what? 
he's probably not going to drop a combo. And even if he does, you know, hopefully it won't affect him as badly because it's just one of those things. You drop com people drop combos. It happens. And uh, at one point in time, when I had stopped commentating, when I was down on the stage, Juninho Raz actually came up to me and he said, I did hear what you said. And he's like, trust me, it meant a lot. And he says it made me feel a lot better. So I am encouraged to continue fighting. And again, you know, I, I was glad he heard the words. And, you know, as one of the elder statesmen of the FGC, you know, if I can be that kind of encouragement, be that kind of father figure to, to people, to really help people continue to fight and grow, I'm really glad I was able to do that for Junior Noraz. And just like I said, here he is back at Capcom Cup again. So like I said, he made it here before. He could make it here again. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. And uh, yeah, uh, he's got that Luke behind him now. <laughs> Villager says that he was a Ryu main before Luke, but now <laughs> he's a Luke player. So uh, Luke kind of good. So, uh, uh, you know, a lot even better than Ryu was in five. So uh, again, a player here who has the potential to do a lot of damage. And again, because he was here last year, he's a little more familiar of what to expect. So, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Jazra Ravon says, I'm surprised Punk didn't make it. Dude, it's brutal. There's not a lot of places to qualify uh, for a lot of the players. Most players only had two places to qualify if you didn't go into the unlocked. I mean, realistically, if you challenge that Evo, most players only have three tournaments to qualify. And keep in mind, he's in the same region as Knuckle Dew and Mena RD and IDOM and Flux Waves and like 10,000 other amazing players. So uh, it's tough, but hopefully he shows up to the LCQ. We'll, we'll see. Uh, Canada East, speaking of NA East, uh, Joe Umarogan, one of the uh, strongest Luke players from Canada, has been doing really, 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 really well at Luke. Last seen at Capcom, uh, at Frosty Faustings, uh, made top eight over there. Uh, again, you know, one of the uh, one of the three Canada players here who are representing uh, at Capcom Cup. So again, excited to see how the Canada players do and show up and, you know, really, really have the ability to uh, make, you know, basically showcase what Canada is capable of. Canada's clearly had a lot of strong players in the past, but, you know, players like Joe Umarogan, like uh, we talked about earlier, uh, Saif or Safe, I should say, and uh, another player we'll talk about coming up, you know, very strong players from Canada. And, you know, again, I'd really like to see how strong uh, Canada players can do. Uh, yeah, J-Dog says Joe has been putting in work in the online weeklies. Not even that, but like I said, he flew out to Frosty Faustings, right? He was like, you know what? I need to go and get practice in these tournaments. And so he went, made sure to plan an offline tournament again, which will undoubtedly help him at Capcom Cup. I'm worried that some of these players might not be as familiar with this kind of bright light studio uh, stadium position, especially for a lot of the players who are going to be at their first Capcom Cup. Uh, so this is, uh, this is an interesting situation. But again, uh, Joe Umarogan, if I'm not mistaken, made it to Capcom Cup last year. So yeah, he's another player who's going to have that uh, who's going to have that experience and is going to have the ability to, you know, uh, know what to expect 
and might be able to show up pretty strong. I mean, he did really well at Capcom Cup last year anyway. He, he, he tied for 17th place, which is not bad out of 40-some-odd players, uh, honestly. So um, I think uh, Joe uh, has a good chance here, again, especially with that Luke, part of the Luke army. You know, there's a lot of Luke players in this tournament, and they're all... Very, very frightening. Uh, you cannot underestimate a Luke player at all coming into this tournament. Uh, and speaking of Luke, actually it's a secondary for the next player, but I mentioned three players from Canada, and that of course is Mike X being the third player from Canada West, a Ken player with a secondary of Luke. So, you know, kind of a good pair of characters to have in your pocket over here. But again, you know, it's a very strong thing. Like, uh, I think it was Broski who talked about it. It was someone who talked about this. You know, the fact that maining a Shoto is very powerful because you have, like, three other characters you can jump to and generally know how to play. And one of them always seems to be top tier at some point or another. So if Luke and Ken get nerfed, you could... And then all of a sudden, Akuma comes out as strong or Ryu is strong, gets buffed to the point where he's top tier you can transition between characters really well. Maining Shoto's is really, really, really powerful. Uh, Moose actually says Mike X is a Luke main as of right now, which makes a lot of sense. Again, a lot of the, the, the characters that we're talking about, these guys picking and actually qualifying with might have changed since then. The fact that, you know, the reason why I brought up the sub for Luke for Mike X is because, yeah... It wouldn't surprise me if he changed because, honestly, you know, as much of the propaganda that goes around trying to say that Ken isn't top five, it is pretty widely accepted now that Luke is stronger than Ken. It is pretty uh, widely accepted that either Luke or JP is number one and, and the other is number two. And so, uh, you know, there's a, a lot to be said about that. And like I said, going from Ken to Luke is not a difficult transition. So I think a lot of people out there uh, might do that. We might see a few of these Ken players actually switch over to Luke uh, at this point. And I, I wouldn't blame them. So we might have even more Lukes than we expect to go, expect to have. So... <laughs> Talsum is number one based on the master stats. That's right. Talsum, number one. And Ken was like bottom four. So yeah, Ken is clearly just use, useless, basically. Uh, w, w. Marote or WMA Rote. Um, <laughs> Big Bird's your only hope right now. Big Bird's your only hope. Put the message into R2D2. Send it off to uh, Big Bird and just have it Big Bird. <laughs> Help us, Big Bird. You're my only hope. Help us, Big Bird. You're my only hope. Because he will be your only hope. Uh, and yes, he did get his visa. He made it to Capcom Cup in the past. Did not actually get to come because he couldn't get his visa. But shout outs to Sherry Jennings and the E-Fight Pass. Not only just for this, but for a lot of players who are going to the SNK World Championships. She has managed to get a lot of these people their visas. She has helped them 
course, there's no, there's no for surefire way, but you know, she gets you prepared on what the questionnaires are going to be. She teaches you how to answer your questions, etc., etc. And yes, crossover from the Dominican Republic, finally going to make his way to Capcom Cup. Clearly having been one of the strongest players in the Dominican Republic for quite some time, and we just haven't been able to see it because, like I said, the last Capcom Cup, he couldn't make out. He was a victim of the um, he was a victim of the visa issue. But he is here this year. He is able to play. And so again, another representative from the, the from the, Doma the Dominican Republic is going to be able to compete over here. And again, the DR scene. I mean, at some point in time, you know, me and David said this and, you know, might even still be true right now if you still count Mena RD as the DR, but the DR might be the strongest country in the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> Honestly, like if you actually talk about the Americas, North and South America, the Dominican Republic might be overall like the strongest because of Mena RD, but then also because of players like Crossover, also players like, uh, like Kaba. Uh, Dominican Republic is so strong. So again, uh, I can't wait to see what, how Crossover does here. He is a Ken player. Uh, he's actually stated to have a secondary of DJ. So I'm curious now, maybe he might actually go full on DJ, but you know, even stating that is buying into the propaganda. So, uh, again, you know, most likely we'll be going with the Ken uh, for most of this tournament here. So, yeah, very small country. But, again, you know, uh, a lot of talent there. And, you know, thankfully for Mena and all these players and, and guys like DRI, like, let's not forget about Dr. Ray uh, DRI, who was a longtime traveler to tournaments. He was one of the first players from the Dominican Republic to make it out to a bunch of Evos. Uh, he had a very famous match in Marvel vs. Capcom 3 with Mike Ross at an Evo a long time ago. That's how long DRI has been uh, making it out to the U.S. to compete. And uh, the reason why I call him Dr. Rai is because he literally is a doctor. So he's DR because he's a doctor and he's from the Dominican Republic. But he was really setting the tone and, you know, was really uh, one of the people who, you know, was, you know, basically... Um, uh, pushing and getting a lot of the Dominican Republic to go out there and compete and really show off their talents. Mena RD, of course, obviously is the one who really took it all the way and was able to show what the DR is capable of. And now, I mean, look, let's face it. If, if Mena wins Capcom Cup this year, there's a conversation that he might be the greatest fighting game player of all time. Honestly, and that's, you know, thanks to efforts of people like DRI. And uh, it's really, really cool, you know, to see that continue. I can't wait to see what Crossover does uh, at this tournament. I believe Mena is trying to fly out as many of the DR players as he can, you know, not only to compete in the LCQ, but to be as loud as possible in the audience to cheer for their boys like Kaba, Mena, and Crossover. And I think that that is going to be really, 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 really cool. Uh, no, it was definitely UMVC3 because Deadpool wasn't in UMVC3, was he? Was Deadpool in MVC3? <laughs> I can't even remember now. I can't even remember. Um, from Central America West. Oh, he was in MVC3. So, yeah, it was in Vanilla MVC. So, keep in mind, again, 
how old school DRI is. This is this, this indication of how old school he is and how long he's been coming out to the States and playing. Uh, D Destroy Gods. I mean, seriously, what a name. Like, if you see this guy walking around the street, you would not imagine that this guy's handle is Destroy Gods, right? I mean... <laughs> It feels like it's kind of the way that you would expect it. Like if you saw a destroy gods and then you saw, you know, this happy, kind, gentle looking guy, you'd be like, okay. <laughs> it's like one of those names, right? Like when you, the biggest dude in the world is named Tiny or something like that. Um, but destroy gods here from Panama. Again, a lot of very, very strong players from Panama in the past as well. And uh, Destroy Gods coming out here and representing Panama. Very, very cool story. Uh, really, really glad to see him make this here. And oh, okay, he's another Guile player. Wow, Latin America likes their Guiles, I see. Uh, but yeah, Destroy Gods here from Panama. Like I said, I don't know much about him. I, I don't have much information about him. Uh, outside of that, he is from Panama and that he is a Guile player. But again, uh, it's really cool to see uh, players from all these different regions. And Panama has had a lot of strong players. And, you know, getting that representation for a lot of the Latin American countries, I think, is really, really important. Because as we were talking about earlier from the players from Argentina and such, uh, look, uh, the Latin America region is so strong. And they really deserve to have their chance to showcase their stuff because, uh, and it's hard for them. This is one of the things that you have to realize that if you're a player from Chile or you're a, a player from uh, Panama or if you're a player from Argentina or you're a player from Peru or Brazil, it's hard to travel. It's not just hard to travel, but buying these games and buying DLC is difficult. Buying a game and its DLC together for some players is like a month of their pay, like from their job, from like a full, actual full on day job. Like buying games like that can almost be like a month's worth of pay for some of these guys. It is difficult to succeed from the South American regions. And I'm sure this is true for a lot of regions, not just the South American regions. But, you know, uh, to see these players be able to represent from South America and from Latin America, obviously, Panama, uh, more in Central America, uh, obviously, with Central America West here. But, you know, the Latin region south of North America, uh, south of the United States, you know, it's hard a lot of times for these players to get to travel and actually have these opportunities. And so to win an online world warrior and have Capcom basically pay your way out there if you can get the visa, which obviously Destroy Gods did, is really, really cool. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for him. And yeah, see, Pony even says it's about one third from the minimum salary in Brazil. So yeah, there you go. So Pony even says, yeah, so to buy a game and DLC, DLC is like a third of your monthly wage in Brazil, you know, and Brazil and if I'm not mistaken, Chile are two of the more economically, uh, you know, uh, higher up countries in South America. So you got to imagine how hard it is for Peru and for Argentina and for, you know, a lot of these other countries out there to, to get these kind of opportunities. But bless great net code. Bless Capcom Cup for giving the opportunity for some of these players. Can't wait to see Destroy Gods come out and do some damage. If I commentate any of his matches, I guarantee you that's the only way I'm going to be saying his name. 
because that name is not, oh my gosh, Destroy Gods is doing well. It's, oh my gosh, Destroy Gods is doing really well right now. I mean, it has to be. It has to be, right? <laughs> yeah, a PC. Oh yeah, buying a PC in South America since that's kind of the way that you want to go. Yeah, it's really, really, uh, that's going to be a tough one too. That's super expensive. Uh, Europe Northeast, we have Mirkin here uh, from Poland. Again, another country that does not get a lot of representation, but Mirkin is not uh, brand new to this. He is, um, this is his second Capcom Cup. He was here last year, so he was able to play last year. He qualified from Poland before. Another Luke player. Again, we're going to see a lot of Lukes. Don't be surprised by that, but uh, he did qualify, so he's going to have that kind of situation of having the leg up here. Uh, probably qualified from the online CPT from Poland uh, last year. If I uh, let me see, uh, he how did he qualify last year? Uh, I don't see the information over here, but. Again, he's out here uh, to represent Poland, another area that doesn't really get a chance to, you know, talk about their uh, fighting game scene all that much. And again, one of the coolest things of Capcom Cup, being able to do this, getting a lot of the players from the different European countries out there. Like I said, we know UK, we know France has a ton of great players. Uh, but, you know, Garnett from in, uh, Italy and now Mirkin from Poland. Uh, I think that's uh, really, really cool, right? So uh, <laughs> I'm going to give pressure to, to destroy gods because of the way that I say his name. <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. I hope not. Um, but, yeah, I really hope Mirkin comes out here and does some damage. He got 25th place last year at Capcom Cup, so, you know, definitely, uh, you know, showing out, uh, but, you know, I'm sure he would love to do better this year, so excited to see what he's going to do this year. Again, I wish I could tell you more about him, uh, but, uh, I, like I said, I know he was there last year, uh, so he's definitely going to have that slight advantage over there. Dude, Europe West, Takamura, like, Takamura is ridiculous, dude. Like, he's from Belgium. And I think that this this player is so strong. Like, I, I think he's so good. And somehow he's just always seemed to just miss uh, having his breakout tournament. But I really feel like Takamura, and I've been saying this for a couple of years, which really kind of hurts a little bit. But I feel like Takamura is like, He's right there, like in terms of being like one of the top players that everybody has to be scared of. Like he's just like trying to bash through that door. He's such a strong player. Uh, he's playing Ken right now, but you know, in five, he was an Akuma loyalist. And so I can only imagine when Akuma drops in this game, like Takamura is just gonna be like, I don't care how strong he is. Let's go. And when you have that bond with that character, it's going to it's going to show out. It's going to show up. Uh, but of course, he's going to be using Ken over here. He was an SFL, very, very strong player. One of the only people that was able to defeat Phenom at one point during SFL. Uh, and I even analyzed that match. I analyzed the match between Phenom and Takamura and kind of talked about how Takamura was able to defeat Phenom. 
Uh, but I think that this guy is is has enough of that wild side in him that he can upset just about anybody. There were players that we called gatekeepers in tournaments. I was a gatekeeper for a very, very long time uh, in tournaments. Uh, it's not an insult. Basically, the gatekeepers are the players who don't tend to win the tournament and usually don't win the tournament, but nobody wants to play against them. Nobody wants to play against them because these gatekeepers at any point in time can beat you on just if they're in the right mode, right frame of mind, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what I was during like the CVS1, CVS2 era, you know, and I feel like that's what Takamura is right now. I feel like, you know, nobody wants to face this guy. Nobody wants to fight him in this tournament, I think, because not, like I said, not only is he such a strong player and is really solid, but he has that wild side to him and he'll be able to take you out uh, when you're just not realizing what was going on. And so, uh, yeah, Takamura, like I said, I'm just waiting for his one breakout tournament. Obviously, one of the things that makes it a little bit tougher, you know, again, is opportunities. A lot of this is always about opportunities. But Takamura has traveled a lot. He's been able to go to a lot of events and really show his stuff. And he is clearly one of the best players. And uh, I'm really looking forward to him. Speaking of looking forward to, I talked about this. Someone in the chat said that Mr. Crimson might be the best in EU. Valve Master exists. <laughs> Valve Master exists. Uh, really one of the best Chun-Li's in Street Fighter 4. Did not like Street Fighter 5. Disappeared. And then in Street Fighter 6, Valve Master came back. And it's like he hasn't missed a beat. Like, honestly, like, like this guy... Hasn't missed a beat. Valmaster is so good. His Chun-Li is so strong. If you watched SFL EU, his Chun-Li was ridiculous. Also, at the uh, France major, he got third place at the offline major that Chris Wong won. He got third place. I think Valmaster is one of the scariest people in this tournament right now. Combined with the Chun-Li as well. Because, again, Chun-Li in Japan is considered like a top five character. And we don't have a lot of Chun-Li representation in here. It's really strange. We only have three Chun-Li representatives, uh, Travis Styles being one of the other ones. We'll run into the next one uh, in just a little bit. But Chun-Li is such a strong character. Do not underestimate this character. And the hands of a player like Valmaster, very scary. Like Takamura, uh, nobody wants to run into this guy. But unlike Takamura, I feel like he's actually in that position right now to be one of those players who might be on a longer list of potential Capcom Cup winners. I really believe that. I really believe Val Master is at that level and has the talent to be able to take Capcom Cup this year, especially with a character like Chun-Li. Oh my God, Amber Alert. Hang on, hang on. Sorry guys. Uh, I guess I can't shut this off over here. Whoa. <laughs> Uh, okay. Sorry, got sorry about that. <laughs> uh, oh, that's cool. Official S tier. I'll definitely see you. I'll definitely see you there as well. Uh, but again, Valmaster, I think, is in such a great place. Obviously, from France, one of the strongest players. Really happy to see him back because, again, in Street Fighter 4, his Chun Li was insane. 
and to see what he can do with this Chun-Li, which I think is one of the most creative and complex Chun-Li's in Street Fighter history. Some of the stuff that Valmaster pulls off is just disgusting. And I can't wait to see what Valmaster does at Capcom Cup. Like I said, I really do think he has a very, very strong chance of potentially actually uh, taking the tournament or at least getting into the top eight. Like if Valmaster's in the top eight, no shocks. No shocks at all. So, uh, GG Halibel uh, from Germany. So, uh, again, this is from the World Warrior Germany. So, again, very cool that we got a player from uh, Panama. Uh, not Panama, uh, from Poland, from Belgium, from Norway, from France, from Germany. You know, we have all, from it Italy. We've got all the representation from the EU. Really cool to see uh, another Ken player here. Uh, but like I said, from Germany, uh, he qualified from the, uh, world warrior Germany as again, all these players are qualifying from world warrior. Again, uh, I don't know much about him. I, I apologize. Uh, I mean, I'm glad game genie that this talk is getting you excited for CPT. That's kind of what I'm trying to do here. But, uh, unfortunately I don't know much about GG Halibel. Again, this is one of the cool things though. Uh, clearly, a uh, lesser known player here uh, has been to no Capcom Cups and gets a chance to make a name for himself. This is why the FGC is cool that we're not just invitationals all day, is that we have chances for players like this to come and do this, right? Like I said, players like Mirkin and Juninho Raz, last year was their first Capcom Cup, probably were nervous, probably fell under the bright lights and stuff. I mean, that's gonna be Halibel this year potentially, but at the same time, they could come and maybe pull a Zen. Maybe they just have the weekend, the week of their life and just blow everybody up. And if that's the case, let's go. I'm excited uh, to see what Halibel can do. And again, like I said, this is why it's cool to have Capcom Cup have this format for, you know, obviously uh, Capcom Cup focuses on representation, not necessarily the strongest players in the world, but the strongest players around the world. So this is focusing on representation and really giving a chance for a lot of these players to really make a name for themselves and for their country. Because like I said, look what Mena RD did for the DR, right? He won Capcom Cup. Nobody picked him to win Capcom Cup. And he came and he won Capcom Cup. And now, I mean, he just posted that he was having like meetings with the government, in the government building with his like, you know, in his country. And like, you know, he's a celebrity in his country. People recognize him on the streets, et cetera, et cetera. So again, any one of these players has a chance to come in and try to do something what Mena RD did. And, and, and really change the course of their own lives and their country. And I think that's so cool. And Halibel, absolutely one of those people who can do that. Uh, Fudo, he's already done enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's also married to a world famous uh, supermodel, so whatever. This guy's already got everything. I'm just gonna stop talking about Fudo right now, so. Uh, next coming up, no, I'm just kidding. No, Fudo, clearly, I mean, he's just one of the players out there. He's, he's fantastic. And again, a strong believer in DJ. Uh, he's one of the greatest players here and probably one of the strongest chances for Japan to do really, really well here uh, in the tournament. Um, 
Evo, former Evo champion for Street Fighter 4, just clearly been one of the best players for the longest of time. Honestly, really, I, 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 there really isn't much for me to say because I feel like if you don't know Fudo, like, that's your fault, not mine. Like, what is there for me to explain about Fudo? And again, keep in mind, Fudo's not even just a champion of, like, fighting games, too. He was one of the, well... This is a fighting game. He was one of the gods of Virtua Fighter, the youngest god of Virtua Fighter, by the way, when it was players like Itazan and some of the other guys out there uh, who there was like five gods, uh, four gods of VF who were considered unbeatable. And Fudo was one of the only younger players, like later generations, who actually worked his way and got in there and started being one of the gods of Virtua Fighter. And not only that, but also beating his former teacher, you know, his, 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 the person who taught him. Virtua Fighter is so much about reading your opponents. That was very rare in Virtua Fighter that a player who had a mentor could eventually beat their mentor. Uh, but Fudo was one of the players who was able to do it. But he was also, like, one of the champions of, like, this crazy, I think it was a Square Enix game. It was, like, this gun game in the arcades that, like, you fought with two guns that you could that had, like, magnets that you could stick to each other. And they would stick to each other and then become different weapons and stuff like that. I think he was, uh, I think he was, like, one of the, the, the country champions of that game out there. Gunslinger Stratos. Yes, that's the game, Gundam uh, Jehudi Kai. Oh, it's offline now. Okay. But, yeah, I heard Fudo was one of the champions of that game, too. Fudo is super strong. He's definitely up there in age. I don't think he's 40. Uh, but he's definitely, you know, uh, he's been around for a while because, like I said, he was an Evo champion. Uh, for Street Fighter 4. He was the first champion after Daigo's back-to-back in 2009 and 2010. Fudo won Street Fighter 4 in 2011. So Fudo clearly has been around for quite some time uh, playing these fighting games, but he's clearly just really strong, one of the best out there. So mm. really not much else I can say. Again, amazing player. It's hard not to root for Fudo. I mean, yeah, he's trying to look serious here in this picture, but let me tell you, he is like the nicest, friendliest guy. He's so gentle. You talk with him, you joke with him. He's always laughing and smiling. Uh, Fudo is uh, a genuinely awesome human being. And, uh, you know, if you ever get to meet him or talk to him or whatever like that, it's really, really hard not to want to root for Fudo because he's like that. He's like the good guy, right? You know how they say good guys finish last? Fudo is a good guy who's finishing first, okay? Let's just put it that way. And it's just awesome to see, you know, uh, you know his success in, 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 in fighting games, honestly. It's just, it's really great. Uh, and I, like I said, very, very easy guy to root for here. So shout outs to Fudo. Um, from the Middle East, again, uh, as I said, Big Bird and Angry Bird aren't the uh, only... Wait, that's not Middle East. That's not the player I have listed here. Sorry, Fandroid from the Middle East. Uh, he's from Kuwait, not from UAE. <coughs> Uh, Fudo's wife was streaming this morning and said, I've never seen him get angry at anybody. We were at an izakaya and a server spilled an entire pitcher of beer on him. And he just went, oh, it's cool. I was feeling hot and needed to cool down anyway. <laughs> 
Fudo, ladies and gentlemen, Fudo. So, so the funny thing is like, I do get angry. People have seen me get angry, but I get angry at video games. Like I was in Red Bull, I was in France for Red Bull one time and the waitress literally accidentally spilled scalding hot water on the back of my neck. Like literally scalding hot water on the back of my neck. And like everybody uh, there was like, oh my God, oh James, are you okay? And whatever. And like the waitress was just like, like terrified. Like that was probably like, you could lose your job kind of levels of thing. And it fucking hurt, let me tell you. It was scalding and I was just like, whatever, accident, it's okay. <laughs> I was like, whatever, it's cool. Uh, I was uh, at dinner uh, with someone recently and uh, at a sushi joint and we ordered sushi and uh, like the other person got their order and I never got my order and I was just sitting there waiting for my order forever. And like uh, the waitress came by and was like, do you want your check now? And I was like, I've never got my food. <laughs> and they were like, what the heck? And then they said, we might have accidentally given your order to somebody else. Oh my God. And they were like, so like very Japanese style, like apology, apology. Even the chef came out and the cook came out and was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We won't charge you for this kind of thing. And da, 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 da. And I was just like, it happens. <laughs> And like, so me and the other person, the both two of us were just like, yeah, it happens, it's whatever, it's fine. And it's just like, it's cool, don't worry about it, you know? And they gave us our food and they were just like, they were beside themselves with how much we weren't mad about it. And it's just really funny because again, you know, a lot of times they make mistakes, people make mistakes. And you know, it's, it's, it's crazy how much you can actually make someone's day by just not being mad about it, dude. Like. You know, it happens, it sucks. You know, they, obviously they had no ill intent. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's easy to be kind. It's, it's not easy to be kind to other people, but it's always worth it to be kind to other people. So uh, obviously if there are people who don't deserve kindness, but for the most part, if it's just a casual mistake, you know, obviously kindness is really the best way to go. And, you know, they were, they, I felt like we made their day, you know, kind of situation that they, and they were so happy that, uh, that, you know, we didn't, we didn't like make a big deal out of it. So it's just what it is. Kindness is kindness. So like I said, Fudo, I, I just, you, you see him and he's clearly the nicest guy in the world. And that's why I say it's so easy to root for him because as soon as you see him, you're just like, this is like the coolest dude ever in the world. <laughs> Anyways, back to the players here. Fandroid from the Middle East, from Kuwait here. So again, not from the UAE, like Big Bird and Angry Bird, but again, the Middle East has a lot of strong players. Uh, Fandroid, uh, Kuwait was an area that I have been fortunate to travel to, uh, thanks to uh, an organizer out in that area who actually uh, flew David and I out there to... Uh, Kuwait Battle Royale, an event that he put on over there. Uh, they flew out a lot of other famous people, so I, that's how I actually got to meet Yoko Shimamura uh, because they flew her out there. In case you don't know, Kingdom Hearts soundtrack, Street Fighter 2 soundtrack, uh, I think Final Fantasy 15 soundtrack, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, um, it was awesome to be able to meet her. But again, Kuwait has a really, really strong... Um, 
has a strong scene out there. A lot of players who want to make a name for themselves, just like everywhere else. And that's one of the beautiful things about Street Fighter 2. Again, people don't realize when I say Street Fighter 2 was one of the biggest things in the world, that's how big it was. Everybody was playing it everywhere. And at the very first gathering, the very first online gathering at Battle by the Bay, at Battle by the Bay in Northern California, where we got like 60 some players to enter Alpha 2, which was ridiculous at the time. Ridic 60 some players, can you believe it? We had players from Canada drive out. We had players from NorCal and SoCal. We had a, like maybe one or two East Coast players. Three players from Kuwait came out. Three players from Kuwait, and I don't remember all of their names. I just remember Marwan, the T-Hawk player, the STT-Hawk player. This was pre-social media. This was because of Alt Games SF2 on the news group. Uh, they flew out. Three Kuwaitis flew out. Obviously, they were very well off, <laughs> but they actually flew out. And so Kuwait has been playing fighting games forever. And yeah, so you ask, do the Kuwait guys still play? Fandroid here from Kuwait. So he's a representative of Kuwait winning the World Warrior of the Middle East. So clearly Kuwait is still playing and it's really, really cool to see this kind of situation. So um, again, great to see the representations and really happy to see Kuwait, you know, come back out here. Again, Kuwait has a history with fighting games, right? This is not just out of nowhere. Everybody was playing Street Fighter 2 around the world. Everybody was playing Street Fighter 2. Everybody was playing Street Fighter 2, okay? So, you know, to have uh, Fandroid represent Kuwaiti, continuing a long tradition of traveling to California to play Street Fighter all the way from Kuwait, Fandroid representing from the Middle East with that DJ. Uh, back then, uh, best of boy, back then it wasn't a thing. Back then, Kuwait was, I mean, trust me, there was no tension out there at that time. That was in 1994, man. That was, was such a different time in the world, honestly. Uh, here he is. So from Mexico, again, Mexico, one of the, uh, locations of so many strong players. We already had Kusanagi representing uh, Solvang. Anybody here know Solvang? Does he go by Solvang? Does he go by SolVNG? Does he go by SolveNG? Or is he Solvang? Or is he Solving? <laughs> Again, I'll ask, I'll try to ask him because I wanna uh, pronounce it correctly. Uh, but uh, again, another representative from Mexico and uh, he was a, a very, 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 I mean, Mexico has had a lot of representations. Like I said, maybe the best player uh, in Super Turbo right now is from Mexico in Hokuto. Uh, again, Mexico just is a very, very strong, strong region. I mean, his actual name has nothing to do with VNG. So yeah, maybe he was a sole player at first. I, I'm not sure. Um, uh, but yeah, um, Mexico has had a history of very strong players. And so again, having him and Kusanagi be able to come out here and represent. And again, uh, this is not Solvang's first Capcom Cup. He was also here last year. So him and Kusanagi both represented last year at Capcom Cup. 
Uh, oh no, Kusanagi did not make it out here to Capcom Cup last year. Oh shoot, it was only Solvang who made it out here. So yeah, okay, so never mind. So Solvang is actually the one player that actually has the experience and is able to, to make it out here from Mexico. And then uh, the other player from the Oceania region who gives Travis Style a lot of run for his money is ROF. Uh, ROF, obviously a very, very strong player also from uh, Australia. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Also from Australia and one of our four JP players. So uh, again, another player who has the ability to come out here and maybe really do some damage with this character. Uh, you know, a lot of people might not be trying to practice and prepare against JP as much because, uh, you know, they're like, oh, there's really not that many JPs out here. DCQ is dangerous, and if DCQ's not in my pool, I'll be fine, and then you get blown up by ROF, so you're going to have to be careful about that. So again, JP, obviously a very strong character. ROF, like I said, always giving uh, Travis Style a run for his money, in fact. At the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, at the World Warrior, Travis Stiles was uh, gatekeeping there. He was in it even though he had qualified already. He was in grand finals, and ROF actually legit beat Travis Stiles to qualify. It wasn't that he was the second place, but since Travis qualified, he qualified. No, he actually legit beat Travis in grand finals to qualify uh, directly into Capcom Cup. Uh, so there you go. Uh, ROF from Australia. Uh, another player from South Africa, Ren. Uh, also, like I said, representing alongside Jobby M. Uh, he was also at Capcom Cup last year, so he was one of the two South African representatives at Capcom Cup last year. So, uh, again, he will have his chance to make the run back. But you know what's really funny about this? A lot of these players that we've been talking about, like, I'm like, okay, yeah, they qualified last year for Capcom Cup. Yeah, they qualified last year for Capcom Cup. Keep in mind, this is a different game. Every time people say, like, wait till this next game comes out, then you'll see because you are a Street Fighter V scrub. And when Street Fighter V came out, you were a Street Fighter IV scrub. Dude, stop. <laughs> You're a good fighting game player. You're a good fighting game player, okay? All these people who qualified last year are good fighting game players. Has nothing to do with the game that they're playing. They can adapt really, really well. So yes, uh, Street Fighter, just because they're good at one Street Fighter doesn't mean that they won't be good at another. So, and again, that doesn't even have to go with Street Fighters. We've seen players cross games completely and just become some of the best in those games. It's just when you have the right mindset, being good at fighting games is less about knowing the game, but knowing how to learn the game. That's why when I teach Street Fighter, I'm always trying to teach you how to teach yourself. I'm always trying to teach you how to learn. I want you to make mistakes. I want you to correct your mistakes, etc., etc. Being good at fighting games is about finding solutions to problems. I know I have said this a million times on stream, but if you are running into something and you're mad because you don't think there's a solution to it, everybody in the world would be spamming that option at the tournaments. But because they're not spamming that option at the tournaments, clearly there's a way to beat it Find the answer. There is an answer to everything. And so getting good at fighting games is always about finding the solution to the problem. 
if it is indeed actually broken, you will see it spammed at tournaments, and we've seen that. AKA Leroy, AKA CVS1 Nako, AKA uh, Tanya at CEO that one year. Uh, it's, it's like, if it's broken, you will see everybody use it. If you don't see the best players using it constantly, it is not broken. Find the solution, find the way around it. It might not be an easy solution, it might take work and practice, but there probably is a solution out there. So again, the reason why these players are so good at Street Fighter V, qualified, and then did it again this year is because most of these top players are good at learning. They're good at teaching. They're good at problem solving. And that's why I say fighting games take a lot of internal looking because most of the time when you're losing, it's your fault. <laughs> Go find out why you're losing and then uh, fix that problem and keep playing. Now, the hardest part is that the more experience you have, you know what to look for. Without the experience, you, you don't know what you're looking for. You might not realize that it's your lack of anti-air that's actually killing you, right? You might need somebody to point that out, but that's where you go out and try to go find advice, find teachers, a lot of teachers out there, Zaffarinos and Justin Wongs, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of people out there, if you come to my stream, I've often taught people uh, on my stream, uh, just giving them help for free. Uh, so again, you can find people who are out there to help you, but you know, always understand that there are solutions to the problems. And if there, are, if there aren't, then that other character is broken or you have, are playing a terrible matchup. Uh, because that also exists as well. Uh, but again, Ren out here qualified last year, qualified again from South Africa, along with Jabi M, who qualified last year, who qualified this year. So again, you can see strong player is a strong player is a strong player. <laughs> That's the end of the story right there. That's all that it really matters right there. So really happy to see Ren here. He's going to be able to represent again, and uh, good luck to him. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Shaka22 from South America. Uh, he is from Argentina as well. So uh, our second Argentinian player here uh, is Shaka22. So you can see another Dalsum player. Uh, he's another player. And again, awesome to see him here because in 2022, he qualified for Capcom Cup. But he couldn't make it because of visa issues. So he couldn't make it due to the visa issues. But uh, he is uh, going to be able to make it this year. Hope, I mean, I wonder if that was, again, thanks to Sherry Genix and the E-Fight Pass. Uh, I know they did a lot. Of, she did a lot of work for a lot of these guys out, uh, to, to make it out here. But it's really awesome to see another Dalsum player. And again, Dalsum, I think, is going to be one of the scariest uh, players uh, one of the scariest ones to go up against because, like I said, the better you get at fighting games, the harder it is to beat Dalsum. Like, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but Dalsum is such a counter character that the way that he gets strong is learning how to blow up what the opponent likes to do. A lot of the times, learning how to beat Dalsum is doing irrational and wild things that make no sense. The more logical you play against Dalsum, the stronger Dalsum is. And so at a Capcom Cup where everybody is really good, again, and they're going to play really smart and logical, that's where Dalsum becomes really, really scary. I 
honestly believe Dalsam's one of those characters that gets better as every other character gets better. And so I think Dalsam is going to be really scary here. So I think Shaka is going to have a really good chance to upset a lot of people. This will be finally his first Capcom Cup. Really happy for him because he didn't make it before, but here he is now. He's made it. Street Fighter VI gets to represent Argentina, and I think that's really, really cool. Congratulations to him. Uh, let's go. Let's go. And then speaking of uh, all these South American countries, uh, we do have a representative from Peru uh, with Nero the Boxer. Uh, Nero the Boxer winning South America West World Warrior uh, from Peru uh, and is out here to represent South America again. And like I said, this is really cool because it's hard for a lot of South American players to make it out to a lot of these events. Uh, I, I, when I was in Chile, I also met a Chilean speedrunner uh, who was one of the best speedrunners and held a lot of records for Resident Evil games. And she said she's always wanted to go to an AGDQ, but she just couldn't do it because it's expensive and visas are hard, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it was really, you know, you know, talking to her, talking to a lot of other players. Ray Mysterio was another one that I was talking to, you know, talking about to all of them about how difficult it is to be in South America and make it to the U.S. to travel to tournaments to actually showcase your talent. You know, really opened my eyes and made me realize that we have to make uh, the FGC bigger in North America so that it becomes easier for players elsewhere to travel. It sucks that we have all these visa problems, whereas it should be to the point where someone just comes over and be like, hi, I'm interviewing for a visa. What for? I'm traveling for Capcom Cup. Oh, sick. Cool. Good luck. Oh, good luck over there. Hope you do well over there. Represent us. You know, like instead of people going, what is a Capcom Cup? Video games? You know, like we need to get to that point, you know, and where people know what these things are and we do that by growing esports bigger in North America, honestly, right? So like, that's one of the reasons a lot of people are like, we can stay grassroots, it doesn't matter. And yeah, we can, but you know, for me to, to make this, give as much opportunities to others as possible, it requires that we grow into something that's bigger. We don't have to be LCS. I don't think we'll ever be LCS, so that's fine. But, you know, if we can just get to the point where it's, it's understood, it's a thing, you know, that people do and will go and compete for, right? So I think that's, that's really, really important. So, uh, so shout out to Nero the Boxer being from Peru. Um, Going to be his first Capcom Cup. Uh, then we have Lashar, uh, another player from South Korea. Another Chun-Li player over here. So, again, only the second South Korean player here. It's NL and Lashar. That's really surprising that there's only two. But, again, there's really not very many other opportunities. I mean, to be fair, I don't think any region is going to have more than two representatives unless one of your players won uh, Evo, <laughs> France, or Singapore. That's just the way it's set up. So I don't think you're going to be able to get more than uh, two representatives. And so for South Korea, yeah, it's NL and Lashar. And again, a Chun-Li player 
And Chun-Li is really, again, really scary. Very strong player. And as I mentioned, only three Chun-Li players. I mentioned Travis. I mentioned Valmaster. And Lashar is the third one out here. He does have a backup Luke. So who knows? Maybe by the time we get to Capcom Cup, he will just be a main Luke. But uh, we'll see. But again, Chun-Li is very potent. And, you know, like I said, Japan largely puts her in top three. Uh, is so, there's someone on Capcom Cup that is using modern controls? Uh, the only one that I might be able to think of is I think sometimes for certain matches, Big Bird might use modern Marisa. But as far as I know, I don't know anybody else that has a modern uh, control uh, potentially here. I think all of these players are classic. Um, it's a good point. It would be a really interesting to try to put down over here. So... Um, no, <laughs> yeah, no, that you've just answered your own question, Harv. You definitely answered your own question over there. Uh, so Lashar is, uh, South Korea going to represent with that Chun-Li. Um, so, uh, again, we'll see how, uh, South Korea does here, but then from Spain and Portugal, uh, I hope you guys did manage to see the clip. Uh, Spain and Portugal really went all out for their World Warrior Finals, turning it into a local, flying people out there. And Samuel from Portugal, from Portugal, won it. And you should have seen the euphoria of his friends, of his team, and and everything. Everyone jumped up and stormed the stage and act. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. He is from Spain. He is from Spain. My bad. So uh, it's listed here as that he is actually from Spain over here. Uh, my bad. So he's from Spain, but again, uh, his, uh, his teammates, his friends, all running out there and just absolutely mobbing him when he won that event to get to Capcom Cup. And, you know, this means so much to a lot of people out there. You could see what it meant to Samuel and, and, and everybody from Spain and just like, this is the guy that's representing us. This is such a big deal. So for a lot of us who are kind of spoiled in the States, who are just like, yeah, this kind of stuff happens all the time, whatever. Like, dude, it's a big deal for a lot of people out there. And Samuel, you know, being able to go out there and represent Spain and, 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 and you know, get this chance to fly to Hollywood, you know, and, and play on the big stage at Capcom Cup, I mean... Again, this means so much for a lot of these players. Again, like I said, it's probably the same reason why, you know, Sianik uh, had that, you know, panic and that, you know, he tried so hard. And, and again, like I said, there was definitely no malice intended uh, with the mistake that he made. Uh, but this is just how important it is for these players to try to make it out to these events. So, again, it's, you know... Don't discount it, man. Like some of these players from some of these smaller countries who haven't had the representations at the Evos and all the big events out there because it is hard to fly out there. And like I said, I've been out to Spain. I've been out to the tiniest, tiniest of towns just to play Super Turbo. And uh, it was such a wonderful trip, uh, despite me almost getting lost on the train and having nobody who could help me until one very kind old lady realized I was lost and spoke a little bit of English and was able to save my life uh, until I got to a train station and got picked up by the current people who program Fightcade 
uh, because they the, the guys who maintain Fightcade right now are from Spain. So shout outs to Spain and their community because like I said, literally the guys who maintain Fightcade who uh, actually have turned Fightcade and Fightcade 2 into what it is nowadays are from Spain. Like they literally talked to the cannons uh, about GGPO and they're like, hey, you guys aren't really doing much. Do you mind? We have, we can like upgrade it and do better features and whatever. And the cannon was like, take it, go, go ham. And they did. And now Fight K2 is actually maintained by a few Spanish uh, players out there who program it and do all the work for it. They picked me up from a train station, took me to the right place. So thank, thank you to them. And they were awesome people too. So again, just fighting game community is everywhere. Like everybody, like you don't know this, but like everywhere you go, somebody is doing something in the fighting game community. And it's so cool to see. So again, you might think, does Spain even have a scene? But yes, yes, clearly it does. And so, you know, Samuel being the guy who is now able to represent Spain here at Capcom Cup, if you watch that clip, you can see the euphoria, you can see the emotions, you can see the excitement, and it's so cool. It's so cool to see, and you know, uh, who knows? You know, a lot of people are probably gonna be like, yeah, so excited to come to Hollywood and go 0 and 2. Dude, come on, whatever. Look, he gets to do it, he gets to represent. This is an opportunity of a lifetime. He gets to show off and do stuff, and maybe he will get an upset. And that's one of the cool things about the round robin format. You know, you, you can do better than going 0 and 2, right? Like, you have a chance to play three or four matches, so. You know, even if you end up losing every one of those matches, you got to go out there, you got to show up, you got to gain the experience, you got to meet people, you get to talk to people, ask for advice. You come from Spain, go talk to the players from Mexico, go talk to Kusanagi because you'll be able to speak, you know, similar languages and stuff. Go talk to the uh, the Argentina players, go talk to the, the Peru players, you know, and you know, you'll be able to form bonds and stuff like that. It's just, it's such a wonderful experience. And for players like Samuel to be able to make it out to Capcom Cup is just, it's an experience that you just can't replicate, honestly. So again, awesome to see uh, a player like Samuel making it out there. Ah, uh, dude, I mean, look, third place last year at Capcom Cup, uh, ending Walker. I mean, <laughs> at this point in time, everybody knows ending Walker's name, right? Everybody knows Ending Walker's name. Uh, he was fifth place last year, fifth place last year, I'm sorry. But yeah, Ending Walker from the UK, the only UK representative coming in with the Ryu. And I love it too, because I still don't think Ryu is as bad as most people say he is. I just don't think most people are playing Ryu correctly because being Ryu, you wanna play him a certain way. The way that Ending Walker plays, I think it, he plays him right. And although Ending Walker is learning DJ, he is learning Ken, he honestly looks the most comfortable with Ryu. Like every time in SFL I watched him play, even when his Ryu lost, he looked more comfortable than when he won with like Ken's or DJ's. Uh, I really think Ryu is, is a good pick for him. And honestly, based off of, you know, you know, history, <laughs> Might be a good character to stick with for season two, right? You know, it was like the joke that somebody asked what JP's number one weakness was and someone said season two, which is like the greatest joke ever. Uh, but, you know, Ending Walker, uh, this guy, uh, he's going to be ridiculous. Again, 
Who do you play against that's going to give you this Ryu practice? There is a power of bringing in underrepresented, uh, underrepresented characters into a tournament like this. Whatever I said about Snake Eyes and Zangief, you apply it to the same thing here with Ending Walker and Ryu, right? He's just going to bust out stuff that you're just going to be like, I've never seen a Ryu do this. And so it's going to be kind of tough to fight against him. And just on top of that, I mean, talk about, again, he's what, 17 right now, 18? But he has got one of the, you know, uh, most, you know, properly t screwed on heads you know, out of anybody I know, he's mature for his age. The way that he approaches video games is so really analytical. He he looks at video games in a different way. Even when he talks about fighting games, you can see that one of the reasons why he got so good so fast and why he's a prodigy is because he looks at the video game differently than a lot of other people. He doesn't approach it from an emotional standpoint. He approaches it from a very scientific and a very, very analytical standpoint. He's just like, well, if this happens, then I do this. If this happens, I can do this. And he just understands how that works. And he doesn't let bad matchups or anything like that get to him. He's not the kind of player that's going to get frustrated or tilted like, this character, ah, why am I using this bad character? It doesn't matter to Ending Walker that way. It doesn't mean anything to him because he just looks at it like so differently. And it's so cool to see. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people I think are going to be excited to see Ending Walker do some work with, uh, you know, quote, bottom tier Ryu. Uh, I think it'll be really shh, Daigo's son. I mean, in a realistic world, he could be my grandson. Could he be my grandson right now? Uh, well, okay, me and my son would have had to have had kids very, very early on. Okay, maybe not realistically my grandson, but <laughs> he could be closer to my grandson. Let's just put it that way. So, I had a kid at 15 and my kid had a kid at 15 I could basically be his uh grandfather abouts there it's year of the dragon I am a dragon this year use all your logic to deduce my age uh next player coming up what is there to say the only thing to really say about Mena RD is if he wins Capcom Cup this year is he the greatest fighting game player of all time if he wins Capcom Cup this year, is he the greatest fighting game player of all time? There is still an argument because players like Arslan Ash exist. And Tokido still has an argument because Tokido's, you know, he's got the longevity stats. The fact that he was winning Evos and stuff way back in 2002 and then winning Evo in 2018. That has a lot of argument there. But... If Mena RD, especially with this Blanca, wins Capcom Cup this year, is he the greatest fighting game player of all time? The thing about it is, whether you say yes or no, he's top three. <laughs> like, I don't think it's arguable at that point, right? I mean, he has the chance to be one of the most accomplished fighting game players. Can you imagine winning back-to-back -back Capcom Cups in two different games? In two different games! <laughs> Like, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. But yeah, I mean, there is, that's the other argument too, is the breadth, right? 
does he have the skill in other games or it's only Street Fighter that he can succeed in? Is it only the Street Fighter games that are very frame data heavy? Because as different as six is from five, still very frame data heavy game, right? Maybe that's the way that works for Mena, that that's the kind of game that he needs. Like I said, there's definitely debates. If he wins Capcom Cups this year, he's top five at least, okay? We'll give it top five as one of the greatest fighting game players of all time. But, I mean, that's the kind of position that he's in. That's the expectations he's coming in with here. And he's clearly one of the favorites. Him and his team won FAV Cup, right? The Dominican Republic team uh, of Knuckle Dew, Kaba, and Mena RD took FAV Cup against a bunch of strong Japanese teams out there. That's wild. His team won SFL largely on his back. That's wild, dude. Like, he is just ridiculous dude he's one of the greatest he's he is clearly one of the greatest players who is my top five players of all time harv oh don't put that on me right now because that's going to turn into an event hubs article and that's just going to go crazy but let's just put it this way uh you know there's going to be a lot of the usual suspects i'm not going to put any order justin wong's daigo's tokitos you know uh etc etc but um I do want to make sure that people do not overlook players like Ryan Hart or a Chris G, for example. Like those kind of players with the breadth of games that they play and how good they are at like all fighting games that they just come in contact with cannot be ignored. Very, very, very strong players right there and are definitely in that conversation of top 10. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, hardest thing for Chris G is outside of Marvel 3, he hasn't been like number one clearly in like a lot of other games or, or men RD status. But the thing is, the amount of first places, second places, third places, and fourth places he's gotten in Dragon Ball, in Marvel, in Mortal Kombat, in Killer Instinct, in Street Fighter, in like KOF, <laughs> like every time like you see this game come out and then you look at the top eight, Chris G is there. He's always there, Grand Blue, whatever. He's always in top eight. And you know, you're just like, how the heck does he do it? But similar to what I was talking about, when you're a strong player and you're a good problem solver and you know what to look for and how to solve it, that's just one of the things. That is a fighting game talent. And Chris G is one of the best at that, honestly. He's just really, 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 really strong. So uh, I know because of history and past and stuff like that, and, you know, obviously things that he's done, Chris G doesn't quite get the credit that he deserves. But, I mean, I, I personally feel like Chris G is clearly top 10 of all time. Oh, oh uh, speaking of kind of similar situation, Infiltration. Infiltration is clearly top 10 all time, right? Like, there's, there's no question about that, you know? Uh, regardless of where you stand on the inf infiltration train, you know, clearly from a talent perspective, he is one of the top 10 players of all time. Like, he's so good at everything that he plays. There's just some of those people out there that just have ridiculous amounts of talent. Like Dual Kevin. Dual Kevin, who was one of the best Marvel players uh, of all time. Boom, here he is. 
qualified from the U.S. Midwest World Warrior, looking great at Frosty Faustings, got a chance to bust out the Rashid as well. So he's going to be coming into this tournament with a Luke and a Rashid. And again, having a secondary and a tertiary character is a very powerful thing to have. And so having Luke and Rashid, two very different characters, one that will beat you through fundamentals, the other that will beat you through shenanigans and trickery, that's a deadly combination to have. And Duel Kevin has just been playing at levels that are un, uh, undescribable right now. He is so strong. He is so good at fighting games. He reset the bracket and took Punk to last game last round at Frosty Faustings. Uh, switching around between characters. And so that's just an indication of how strong he is. And then uh, finally, at the very end from the U.S. West World Warrior, Nephew, uh, again, probably one of the strongest juries in the world, if not the strongest. Like I said, right now for me, it's Nephew and Uma as two of the strongest juries uh, on the planet right now. Uh, Uma, I feel like, has a lot more, like, shenanigans and, and is crazier. But Nephew, Nephew, like, the big fundamental, uh, you cannot find a player, in my opinion, that is as just, like, sound at fighting games as Nephew. Like, he just gets fighting games. He understands what it's supposed to be about. And he can pretty much beat you with any character. And he's going with jury in this case. And that combination right there of a jury being a strong character and somebody as smart and as, uh, as, as uh, like I said, talented and skilled as Nephew uh, is really, really hard uh, to talk to. Oh, Jack, just a kid. Just a kid. Uh, Jack, also another jury out there. Probably, yeah, those three are the strongest juries. Uh, I forgot about just a kid. Sorry, my bad, my bad. Uh, Jack, clearly up there with Uma and Nephew as well. Clearly, clearly, clearly. Sorry, Jack. Uh, didn't mean to forget you. Honest mistake. Uh, but uh, I still think out of all of them, Nephew is the most uh, fundamentally strong. I think he has the most, uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, I keep saying the word fundamentals. I'm, I'm, I'm having a trouble finding another word that describes it, but he just, he understands fighting games to a level that I don't think a lot of people do. I'm sure his time spent being roommates with Punk uh, on the West Coast for a while helped in that a little bit, but even then, before then, he was really, really strong. And uh, I just, I feel like, you know, Nephew is one of those players that clearly has the potential to be one of the best in the world, right? Like, clearly, clearly, if he just is able to just, like, he only needs to go from that 10 to 11 at this point in time. Uh, clearly, uh, one of the biggest threats from the United States, and I'm really glad that he is one of the representatives here uh, at Capcom Cup. And he will, I'm sure, do very, very well in representing the U.S. Uh, at, at the tournament, so... Um, but those are this 47 players qualified. And I didn't think that was going to take two hours and 21 minutes for me to go through all those players. I thought this section literally was going to be like, um, like two seconds long. Cause I didn't think I would have a lot to say about the players. But again, 
you know, as a commentator, as a person who focuses a lot on stories, you just give me a situation and I can find a good story to relate to it. And that's honestly one of my powers as a commentator here. Um, again, uh, you know, some other things to talk about. So let's talk about real quick. Capcom just put out a message saying that there won't be any new like season two footage or Akuma footage at Capcom Cup. They said that we know you guys look forward to that stuff, but we're just letting you know now there's not going to be new footage. They did this last year too. So it's really weird that Capcom seems to be doing this, right? They did say there will be news about the continuation of the esports, but they did say that there's not going to be any like new announcements or anything like that. So please do not expect any Akuma footage or please do not expect any season two stuff. So unfortunately, we're not going to uh, get things out there, uh, any new information. A lot of people seem pretty upset about that. Like, why didn't you just save the Ed trailer for Capcom Cup then? I mean, to be fair, maybe they're scared that people wouldn't think the Ed trailer would be good enough. Like, people would just see it and be like, that's it? So they just released it early and let people know Ed is coming out after Capcom Cup, you know, kind of situation. But... Um, I, uh, it is unfortunate. I definitely feel for the players and the fans out there. You want to see new stuff. You always want to be given a new, a lot of new stuff. And Capcom has been, uh, they've been having a hard time with Street Fighter VI, keeping the information flowing. It took a long time before we found out much about those costumes. We've only gotten the one set of costumes. People are upset. We've only got four characters for the first season. Uh, people are upset, and now we might not get any new information about Akuma or Season 2 from Capcom Cup. I really feel like that, you know, what they kind of, uh, what they decided to take on has been a lot harder for them to maintain than they were expecting. And so maybe that's why it's been a little slow and a little bit quieter. They had these plans like, four characters, here we go, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't turn out as simple as you hope for, so... Uh, you know, my empathy will go towards Capcom, obviously, but like I said, I don't blame people for being upset about it. I don't blame people for being sad and kind of hoping that there would be more uh, information out there uh, to be given about Season 2. I know we're all chomping at the bit for Season 2 information, for Akuma information, but... That's just how it is, right? Like I said, they did this last year. They said, we aren't going to be announcing anything new about Street Fighter VI, just eSports stuff. And then they said a million dollars and everyone forgot that they weren't going to announce anything about Street Fighter VI. Nobody cared anymore. I don't really cared about a million dollars. So let's hope Capcom could do something similar because, again, on all their slides last year, they said as a special way to celebrate the release of Street Fighter VI, we have a million dollars for first place, giving the indication that they have no intention of maintaining a million dollars every year. So we'll see what happens. I really hope they do, because I would love to see a uh, million dollars be the norm for Capcom Cup. Definitely has everybody talking about it. It definitely has changed the way we all look at fighting games and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know why I'm still on this view over here. It definitely changed the way a lot of people look at Capcom uh, at Street Fighter Six, uh, and uh, 
it would be a bummer to go from a million downwards afterwards. But again, that million dollars got to come from somewhere. <laughs> uh, is Street Fighter VI making a million dollars every year for Capcom? Is the CPT making a million dollars every year for Capcom? If not, it's hard to justify the million dollars, right? So unless they can get the sponsors, et cetera, et cetera, uh, I think it'll be difficult. But, you know, hopefully they find a way to make it work. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see. And maybe, yeah, maybe they'll try to do a international kind of thing where they try to do more crowdfunding. And the crowdfunding will be the way that they get back to a million dollars etc. Uh, they released a cursory, uh, they released a like very uh, bare bones one here. Uh, and I just retweeted it if I'm not mistaken. Let's take a look over here. Oh, in-person events. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All of us want more in-person events. Uh, here we go. So if we go back to this over here, as you can see, February 16th, uh, 17th and 18th are going to be the LCQ. Uh, February 21st, 22nd, and 23rd are the group stages. February 24th is going to be the Street Fighter League World Championships. And Street Fighter V uh, Top 16 will be February 25th. So this is the schedule of events here at Capcom Cup coming up. Three days of LCQ, three days of group stage, an SFL World Championship Saturday, and then the Street Fighter conclusion uh, of Capcom Cup X Top 16 on Sunday and finding out who wins a million dollars. So there you go. Um, so there you go. That's uh, what to expect from Capcom Cup. I do want to address something. I posted out something that... Uh, Looking through the list of talent that they have at this year, I do want to address the fact that, uh, you know, very blatantly missing from the list are Logan Sama and F-Word, uh, two commentators who have basically been commentating Street Fighter since the beginning of Street Fighter 4 and have been killing it uh, for years and years and years. Uh, no yipes there as well. Uh, so it is kind of sad to see no F-Word and Logan over there, so uh, I think they will be very, very much missed. Uh, on another stream one of these days, maybe I'll talk about commentary because a lot of people don't talk about this. Uh, commentary, honestly, there's a lot of people who want to jump into commentary, and most of the time people ask me, James, what can I do to get into commentary? The first thing I ask them is why. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a shitty field right now. It's a shitty profession. And like I've said in the past, it sounds like I could be saying this just to get rid of competitors so I'll get more jobs. Uh, I mean, there is a little bit of truth to that, you know, deep down inside for sure. Uh, but at the same time, it is very competitive. And the nature by which the scene, the commentary field goes, we will never have the ability to increase our pay. Uh, as it's going right now. So as the world continues to suffer from massive inflation, our pay will never go up <laughs> with the state of commentary, uh, the field of commentary as it is. So hopefully things change this year. I knock on wood and such. We'll see what happens, but uh, we'll see what happens. It's not that it's cutthroat, uh, best of boy. It's that it's accidentally, inadvertently cutthroat.
<laughs> is the best way to put it. It's not intentional that it's cutthroat, although there has been evidence of some cutthroat behavior in the past. But for the most part, it is accidentally cutthroat because a lot of people who are doing commentary are doing it on the side for fun. So they're willing to be like, yeah, that's fine. You can pay me 10 bucks an hour at this event as long as I get to do it. And then all the people who are doing it for a job are like, I need you know $1,000 for this weekend. And they're like, ha! Ah! And then they go hire the guy who's willing to do it for $10 an hour. You know, if the guy who's doing it for $10 an hour is not trying to be cutthroat. It's just that it's not their job, so they don't care. <laughs> but in a way that ends up hurting a lot of the people who are trying to make it their career. It's a really weird situation. I don't want to like keep people from doing commentary, but at the same time, we need to get to a point where even if you don't, even if it isn't your main job, you still have to ask for full prices because otherwise we're never going to be able to get any, uh, yeah, union. But again, the problem with that is everybody keeps asking for higher prices. Then they'll only hire the big names and they'll never hire the small names. So it'll be impossible for anybody up to be an up and comer commentary. So there's a lot of issues going on here. There's no good solution for it. I don't know how to make it work, but we'll see we'll see so oh yeah 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 scabbers right scabbing undercutting unions absolutely happens all the time so uh but you know that's kind of the situation there i'm not saying that's what happened to f word and logan but you know the the commentary field there's just so many commentators everyone's trying to do it and so like people get i didn't do capcom cup one year i got left out of capcom cup one year and I was crestfallen. I was absolutely heartbroken because, you know, I, I it's, again, it's just one of those situations. I feel like I pour my heart and soul into this. But again, so does a lot of other people, right? Logan, I mean, look what he does for these locals. Look how much work he puts in. He puts his heart and soul into this, right? So he, he he's going to be equally as crushed. Same thing as uh, Femi as well. So uh, it's a tough situation, right? So, um yeah, Juna and Obama suffer from higher travel expenses, et cetera, et cetera. It's a tough situation. And honestly, you know, there's not a lot of room. There, there's not a lot of room, honestly, because there's so many people trying to do this. And, you know, at the same time, they want to try to give as many opportunities to as many people as possible. And even doing that, you end up keeping a lot of people out of stuff. And it's tough. It's really, really hard, and I, and I, and again, I, it sucks. Like, I'm, I'm mad that Logan and F-Word aren't there, but again, like, I, I don't know, like, do I give up my spot for it, you know? Like, do I say, no, that's wrong. Get Femi and Logan here. I sacrifice myself. Like, I need to eat. <laughs> I, <laughs> I need food. People know the kind of situation that I'm in right now, so... You know, it, it's tough. It's tough. And that's the other thing is that all the commentators are friends. I've known people who have quit commentary because they're tired of taking money away from their friends. They're tired of fighting their friends for scraps, right? Like we're literally like, you know, 50 dogs fighting for table scraps right now is what we're doing. And that's what makes it really, really hard for us. And it's unfortunate. So... Do I get jobs that I probably shouldn't have because of my locale? Probably. 
have I missed out on jobs that I feel like I should have gotten? Absolutely. You know, I have, there's a lot of events that I don't end up doing that I'm like, why wasn't I there? Why didn't you call on me? I could have done some cool stuff, you know? So it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough field to be in. It really is like from a very objective point of view, not from an emotional, I'm personally affected by it. But commentary is tough because, you know, it is easy to undercut other people because most people can't do it as a career. And then even people who feel like guarantees don't even get to do it. Like, like Rip didn't even do the TWT finals this past year, which was like, I thought that was never going to happen, right? Like, I didn't think that that was even a possibility, so... I mean, change fields. If I change fields at this point, you, you won't see me anymore. I mean, that's pretty much my determination. If I can't do this anymore, then, you know, the last job I got let go of because I was burning the candle at both ends, I couldn't do the FGC and my job at the same time. So if I actually just was go back to programming or something, that's the end, right? I would retire from commentary. Uh, because I would retire from commentary and retire from streaming because I couldn't do it anymore. So, uh, but in any case, uh, the point is I'm sad F word and Logan aren't there. I, I'm going to miss them tremendously. Uh, they're very, very talented. They're amazing. Femi even did top eight last year, which is crazy. So I really hope that, you know, um, you know, obviously, we're, this is not the last we're going to see of them. This is just Capcom Cup. We'll see them at all sorts of events. They're too talented. They're too skilled. They're too important not to. So we'll see them. We'll see them again. It's just unfortunate we won't see them here for this Capcom Cup. And again, saying that I'm sad they're not there is not me commentating on anybody else's skill level who is there. Uh, there's just not enough room for any, everyone and I hate the fact that, that, that they're two of the people who got cut from it because uh, I think that they're amazing. Uh, like I said, I think they both did an amazing job at uh, SFL-EU. I, I thought they both did really, really well. So, Anyways, um, uh, I do not have a full-time job. I do not. This is what I do. This is what I try to do, and I'm very bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> because I should be streaming every day as a result, but I don't because of ADHD and, and just uh, laziness. Not laziness. Uh, it's, it's just tough. It's just tough kind of, it's just a tough situation to, to you know, uh, streaming is hard. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to stream, honestly. It's, it's stressful, honestly. Like, if you're an introvert like I am, it's stressful, honestly. So, um, it's tough. It's a lot of work. Every time I want to stream, I'm like, oh, God, I don't feel like streaming today, you know, and it's hard to do. And unless you're engaging and, and giving out good content, like, I can stream every day, but if I just stream the way that I stream, it doesn't make a difference, right? It doesn't really, really do anything, honestly. So... Uh, I, like, I have to do more, uh, than just what I'm doing. And, and honestly, you know, I'm not the most marketable human being on the planet, right? Uh, I'm not, 
Let's let's face it. Looks help a lot uh, in streams. They do. It does. It does. Right. Like let, we just talk about that straight up. It really helps a lot. Right. Like my advantage is my engagement and my humor. But you know, uh, I'm not the most attractive person out there. So you know, that's always going to be a tough situation. So. Uh, so, well, you know, will happen. Uh, you know, anybody can talk about my looks. Shout out to St. Cole. I didn't even notice he was in the chat. Uh, but, uh, everyone can talk about my looks all you want, but it is true facts that on all dating sites that Asian males have the worst success rate. There's a reason for that. It's because there are stereotypes associated with a lot of ethnicities and stuff. It's Asian men and black women have the worst amount of success on dating sites. And that's just how it works. It's just how it works. You don't see Asian people and then try to interpret their attractiveness. That's just not what you are trained to do by society. <laughs> You're just not, you just don't. People don't look at Asian people and go, is he cute or not? You look at an Asian guy and you go, he must know Kung Fu or he's good at math. Like that's just like the kind of thing is what it is, right? That's just, and again, that's not anybody's, that's media's fault, that's Hollywood's fault because they did it on purpose. I can go into the years and years of history of the emasculation of the, emasculation of the Asian male in Hollywood media, but I don't feel like doing that right now, so. <laughs> I don't feel like doing that right now. So uh, in any case, uh, I said I was going to analyze the Ed trailer. You know what? I'll probably save that for a Jay Chenzor stream because I didn't know this stream was going to go two and a half hours long talking about people. Uh, I didn't realize I could talk about those 47 players for two and a half hours. Well, actually, I didn't. Oh, I did. I did talk about it for two and a half hours. So, yeah, uh, it's uh, pretty wild here. Pretty, pretty wild here. Yeah, Ultra David had to leave the show because he is now the official lawyer for 10-0, and it becomes a conflict of interest to say stuff like, man, I wish MK was better at doing this, and then going saying, hi, NRS, we want to work on your world tour. So, you know, uh, so David is unable to do the Tuesday shows anymore. So it is just me now. That is why it is no longer the Tuesday show. It is, it was Tuesday uh, for you guys over here. It had been rebranded, but uh, I personally probably would have bet myself that I wouldn't have been able to do it was Tuesday for longer than a year without me finally actually just quitting uh, due to laziness and such, but somehow due to the longevity and how long we've been doing it was Tuesday, Somehow I've still been doing it for so long. Last year, uh, I did 47 episodes out of 52 weeks, which is really impressive, which means last year on my own, I actually did, I only missed seven weeks, I'm sorry. I only missed seven weeks last year. Uh, out of 52 weeks, I did 45. And so I only missed seven weeks last year, which is absolutely shocking to me that I was able to maintain it uh, that long. And actually, you know, that'd be fun. That would be fun to take David and talk to him about it being a gaming lawyer, but he probably can't talk about most of it. The interview would be like, so does this kind of thing happen? I can't answer that. So does this kind of stuff happen? I can't answer that. So does this happen? I can't answer that. <laughs> 
I used to, Forrest, but right now, uh, ICFC Street Fighter Six is not going right now. So I used to do, uh, I used to do it. So, uh, but yeah, I got to stream more on my own channel. I've got to figure out some way to combine channels and stuff like that. Because having two channels is really, really awkward for you guys more than anything. Uh, having two discords is really awkward. Having two cats is really awkward. No, no, actually having two cat cats is awesome. Awesome. Hi. Oh, there's cat number two. Hi. Look. Jasmine, it's Nathan. It's Nathan. <laughs> Salty sets on Fight Cave. Yeah, that, then the, the cami downplaying would be coming back because I would be getting mad the whole entire time because cami is so bad. Oh, it's unfortunate. Uh, gotcha. Oh, you tried to jump. You tried to jump. I got you. I got you. Hi, Jasmine. Waiting for the blood-curdling meow from Jasmine. There it was. <laughs> Thank you, Jasmine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is why this is the greatest podcast in the world, because you have these amazing cats on the stream. Nothing to do with me. I remember I talked about cuteness. There's your cuteness right there. The cats are definitely the ones taking care of that aspect. And that's what makes this podcast the greatest podcast and the most important podcast the day that this podcast graced your ears. But of course, all of those days for me... It was Tuesday, 